Oops, I did it again. I got super toxic on Twitter because guess what? I'm super right. And everything that I'm thinking about is 100%, 100% fact. I am my own opinion. It's totally the best. It's totally the right way to think. And I'm about to have my opinion disrupted on our podcast today. Hi, I'm Kyle, and this is Ministry During the Disruption. Hello, hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Ministry During the Disruption, and I'm your host, Kyle Lee, and I'm here today with our senior, baby one more time, expert, Steve Tamayo. I mean, that applies in so many ways. I mean, I have four kids, so baby baby, one more time, that, that actually works. And the senior works because I am old enough to get that reference. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, is there going to be a baby one more time in your family or are you guys all done? We might foster, we might adopt. I've got four kids. I have plenty of children right now. You have plenty? But here's the thing, that, that kind of baby one more time is also reference to a hot topic in the news these days. You have a hot take on that hot topic, if I'm correct, right, Steve, about free Britney. Is that right? Yeah, the free Britney movement is rolling around the world where fans of Britney Spears, the popular pop musician from the late 90s, early 2000s, are rallying and lobbying to try to get an end to her conservatorship. So her dad, like, controls her finances, a lot about her life, and an attempt to protect her from drug abuse, squandering her money, things like that. But Britney Spears is older. I mean, she's in her 30s now, has been one of the most successful pop musicians of all time. I mean, you look at some of her album sales numbers, some of her concert draw numbers, and she is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly popular around the world. And yet her dad, as, as a grown woman, her dad is still in control of her finances and a lot of her life. And just this week, her case went up to a, a judge. She's attempting to get an end to that conservatorship so that she gets the rights to her own money, a little bit more freedom to travel, a little bit more freedom to decide things like whether she's going to have a kid or not. It's a very complex, complicated situation. This is a hot topic I've been noticing a lot on Twitter. There's a lot of different perspectives on it. But if I didn't hear a hot take in there, Steve, what's your hot take? Okay, here's my hot take. Everybody's right. Everybody in this situation is right. Uh, The judge in the case is right. The dad in the case is right. Brittany is right. Everybody's right from a certain point of view. Okay, so I think if you posted that take on Twitter, where this is where I found a lot of stuff about Britney Spears, um, or you made a post on Instagram, which I've also seen a lot about Britney Spears, I feel like you would get flamed. You would get lambasted. You would, you would get a lot of nasty comments in your comment section. So defend yourself against said nasty comments. Well, absolutely, because what happens is we get a particular point of view on a story like this. Once we have that particular point of view, all of the facts that we hear fit within that point of view. So if you're Britney Spears or you're one of her fans, you hear 
the abuses that she has experienced at the hands of the conservatorship. And you think this is just insane that anyone would be supportive of this. If you're sitting in the seat of Brittany's father or someone who's advocating on that side, and you could look at some of the uh, alleged past behavior or some of the risks to her health and safety, and you could say, well, it's, it's wild to think that you would end the conservatorship. And then you imagine sitting in the judge's seat and trying to figure out between these two parties, and the judge is getting as much information as she can, and the judge is, is trying to figure out the way to, to balance both interests, to optimize both interests, to give Brittany as much freedom as possible with as much safety as possible. And it's an incredibly challenging position. And so the judge's decision to add in an additional layer to the conservatorship, which is what happened this week, the judge said, all right, Brittany's dad is going to continue on as the conservator in the case. But now there's going to be this additional institution that comes in and provides additional accountability to the conservator. He's kind of supervising the supervisor so that he can't just run roughshod over Brittany. The judge is right. So you look at each of these from your perspective, and, and they're right. And this is part of what happens in Twitter, Instagram, social media world, is we get our take and we find all kinds of things to support our belief, and then we just shred anyone who disagrees with us. We don't even really listen to them. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty true. Like, I kind of disagree with you already, so I'm just kind of like, I didn't even hear some of the things that you said, because they just kind of went poof into my brain. Go for it. What, what part do you disagree with? Oh, I mean, like, okay, so I do think about the idea that we get a perspective, and then we find a lot of facts that are, are in play that, that line up with what we agree with. Uh-huh. Now, even, even with all these things in mind, given the current context of everything, and as far as I could tell, I didn't have a lot of preconceived notions about the stuff going in, about Free Britney. I just was like, oh, what's, what's, why is this trending? And kind of just did my research and looked around. And then I was like, well, okay, like, there's a lot of historical precedent for why people are going to be on the Free Britney side. She's also 30-something and as far as we can tell, doesn't have a lot of like episodic depression or like anything that like her mental health issues are not as prevalent. And then some of the stuff that she was allegedly forced or made to do based on stuff like the fact she wasn't able to fully control her life. I haven't, I'm not totally sure how much all of that is true because like it's hard to tell sometimes, but like some of that stuff looks pretty horrible. I agree. I totally agree. We don't disagree with this. Part of the challenge with anything like this, this conservatorship idea, is that maybe it was necessary at one point, you know, 10 years ago, maybe it was necessary in order to protect her uh, because she was in a different place. But people grow, people change. And at some point, those protections are no longer necessary. And when and how do you pull a protection? Right. I think that's one of my big, big thoughts here, too, right, is pulling that protection now seems like a reasonable move. And the fact that it's being arbitrated against now seems to be one that's not about what's best for her. I mean, this is one of those kind of realities of power dynamics and how they work. 
And this is maybe a good pivot into our ministry conversation, our bigger ministry conversation, because one of the things that happens is maybe the situation starts with good intentions, starts with a desire to protect, starts with a desire to support, to, to flourish. But then over time, the situation morphs and protection becomes control, control becomes exploitation. And it's sometimes really hard to pinpoint when this thing went from protection to control, when it went from control to exploitation. And, and that happens in the ministry world as well. You've got people looking out for younger people in their ministry, and they make some decisions that are protective of them. And without realizing it, that desire to protect becomes a situation where control is happening, and then that control becomes exploitation. And it's very difficult to undo it because people refer back to that initial intention, that original intent to protect and say, no, 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 I'm just being protective. And the person on the other receiving end is like, I feel like I'm being exploited. Okay, so I can hear that from like a big picture perspective and I can say, oh, okay, I can see how that might happen in like an abstract space. But can you give me like an example of like what that would actually look like on a more practical basis? Yeah, totally. So you could have a senior leader in a an intervarsity chapter who is mentoring a younger student or faculty person. And at first, in that dynamic, the senior leader is making recommendations about what they should do or shouldn't do. Maybe don't take so many classes because you're going to end up overloaded and you won't do as well in your classes. You won't have as much time for social life or ministry and then kind of shifts from that into a control like okay hey what classes are you registering for let let me know you know and i'm going to approve or disapprove what classes you're registering for and then it becomes exploitation where you're like oh you know what i really need you to not schedule classes on friday because i want you to be able to lead our intervarsity large group worship night on friday nights and need you to be able to focus day of now, that's maybe an extreme example, but stuff like that happens in our ministry space. And in a time of disruption, like we've just experienced, you have a lot of people who are saying, hey, somebody just protect me. Somebody just tell me what to do. And that protection to, to give that direction, very tempting for that to become a situation where we love being in control and charge, making the decisions for other people, having them listen to us and follow us, then from there, it's a short step to exploitation where we have people do things, whether they're good for them or not. One thing that I want to want to bring up there too, that I want to consider is according to lots of the studies that we're having, where both of us are not of Gen Z, right? But some of the people in our audience might be of that generation. From what I understand from studies and things like that, plus also interacting with students and hanging out with them is lots of Gen Z people just kind of want people to tell them more of like hands-on what to do. Like here, give me step-by-step -step process. I'll, I'll work for it. Right. As a millennial, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Just let me run free in my justice zone. Right. But that, that's not necessarily the case for everybody. So if there's, if there's somebody who really does want all of that instruction, how would you like balance the fact that someone could get overprotective versus just helpful, helpful advice? I think it's something that, there's nothing wrong with that impulse to be protective. Right now, I have 
you know, we were joking earlier. I've got four kids in my home. I'm very protective of them. I make decisions for them. And to keep an eye out for that transition from protective to control, that's, that's what I would recommend. Going from protection to control is not terrible. Going from control to exploitation is terrible. So if you can kind of put up a flag that says, okay, when I go from protection to control, I need to take a step back. That's where empowerment comes in, where you're kind of thinking about the people who you're leading, you're serving, and you're saying like, okay, how can I empower them so that they get to a place where they no longer need my protection? I mean, that's what I'm doing as a dad. Uh, That's what I do in my ministry leadership roles is think through how do I get this person to a place where they're not depending on me to protect them? How can I just get to a place where I'm supporting, encouraging, creating space for them to play? So for that's from like a leader's perspective of I have to make sure to empower students and empower the people I'm working with instead. In fact, if we're part of InterVarsity, InterVarsity is a student-focused, student-led ministry. Student and faculty. Yeah, student and faculty-led, not staff-centric, right? And so if you're a volunteer or staff, our goal is not to just control everything and micromanage, but instead to empower. So that's a huge piece of advice. How about for a student, when if you're... If your staff or volunteer worker or, you know, even somebody at like your church or something is too, is like you, how do you identify if they're being controlling, if they're being exploitative or if they're being just helpful and protective? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that's a black or white issue, actually. I think that's actually the sort of thing where when you start to feel like you're being exploited or controlled, good to spark a conversation. And to say like, hey, I'm having this experience. There's a tool that we use sometimes called Situation Behavior Impact, the SBI, where you say, you know, when, when you asked me to lead that small group and I said I didn't have the time for it and you didn't talk to me for a week, here's the impact that that had on me. You know, like just opening up those conversations, I think are really, really helpful. Because I, I really think that people don't have the intention to be exploitative, but they do slip into it in ministry. They lose sight of what's best for this individual person. And it's okay for people to have differing perspectives. What someone might feel like they're being exploited or taken advantage of, and the person who's giving them that opportunity might feel like I'm just giving them an opportunity. I'm not exploiting them. You know, I'm inviting them to be a small group leader. I'm not exploiting them. In that way, that perception is incredibly important. Yeah, you don't have to say you're exploiting me, right? You can keep it subjective and say, I'm, I'm feeling right now like you're asking more from me than is healthy for me to give. Right. And so then to open up a dialogue, around that right okay so we, we, want, we want to talk about that with somebody when, when this occurs okay yeah that makes sense then with all of that stuff being said bring the fact that we kind of all come from different perspectives on lots of things and facts that was kind of one of your original purposes and ideas right how can we like avoid doing stuff like that how can we avoid going to the bible for example and like looking for our answer as opposed to looking and seeing what is actually there. 
I mean, I think it's important to know that that's a human tendency, right? And this thing called confirmation bias to know that that I'm going to go out and I'm going to find evidence that supports the stuff I already believe. You know, just kind of blowing up this myth of the objective, independent observer who coldly and rationally can look at every situation. That just like doesn't and has never existed. It's one of the gifts of postmodern theory is to blow up that myth of objectivity. At the same time, I do think it's incredibly helpful to bring third parties into situations. And this is where I'm going to do a little youth pastor says stuff. The most important third party to bring into a situation like this is the Holy Spirit. To, to go ahead and, and ask Jesus, just, just like this conflict between Britney Spears and her father, they brought in an outside judge. It's incredibly helpful when you're maybe trying to be protective, but are hearing feedback that the person's feeling exploited or you're feeling exploited and the person keeps saying, no, I'm just trying to protect you. I'm just trying to help you. In those times, it's incredibly important to cry out to Jesus, to ask his spirit to guide us and fill us and to ask our heavenly father to, to actually be our protector. There's something in this mystical connection that we have with God through Jesus Christ by his spirit, which allows us to see past our own biases and to connect across these chasms. Ultimately, there's a lot of confusing stuff out there and there's a lot of things that are hard to tell. The only thing that we do know based on our faith is that Christ and Jesus and God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, that's true. That's something we can rely on. And so therefore, we're going to tap into that with our mystical connection to them. Speaking of mystical, I guess maybe not mystical, connections. You could mystically connect with us through that mystical portal called Instagram by checking out at Ministry During the Disruption on Instagram and hitting the follow button for us. Uh, You could also subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating and review. That will help our mystical connection with you. It'll also help other people form that mystical connection with us. If they happen to see the more you download, the more ratings and reviews we got, the more we pop up on people's feeds. And that's really helpful. And we'd also like to suggest that you make a mystical connection with our sponsor. Today's sponsor is the Ministry Playbook. As you're thinking about conservatorship and free Britney and things like this, maybe you're also thinking through, how do I coach people well in ministry? We've got a whole course on coaching in the ministry playbook. It's a free online resource to take you through and help you level up your ministry game. Many of us who find ourselves in coaching positions recognize that temptation to drift from coaching to control, to drift from control to exploitation. And we don't want to do that. Instead, we want the people we lead, the people we serve, the people we coach to flourish underneath our leadership, alongside our leadership, and long after they've left the sphere in which we're leading. This is where the Ministry Playbook course can help you. Check it out at theministryplaybook.com.